Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows. And on this episode of the Square Circle Podcast, I will be reviewing in full AEW Dynamite that debuted last night on a Thursday night, August 27, 2020. This is a super explosive dynamite. It felt amazing. AEW allowed 10% of fans to be inside the arena. They were all spread out between six feet apart. And they also wore their mask as mandatory of the state of Florida and just wearing the mask in general. So that way no one else can spread this virus that we're still currently dealing with and that we're still in this pandemic. But I just wanted to say that it was amazing. The 10% capacity of the fans were about 500 to 600 people, give or take. I don't know the exact numbers, but then again, it warmed my heart and I miss the fans dearly. The fans do make the wrestling programs what they are, especially when you go to live events, when you go to your local indie wrestling events, the fans make the product what it is. We may not always agree on our opinions of who's the best, who's not the best, you know, in-ring technique or just stupid opinions that people have. We may not always agree, but it's okay to agree to disagree because then you could become friends later on and later on your perspective can change. And that's why professional wrestling is so special and it's not like any other sports league out there. They also had Chris Jericho on commentary and then when he came out, All the fans were singing Judas, and that teared me up so much that I'm like, I totally miss it. I sang along with them as well, and it was a really great opener, and you could just see on Chris Jericho's face that it was amazing to hear that back, because we heard it so many times way before this pandemic that now that we have fans, you know, we just miss the little things, the things that count. So, this tag team gauntlet match is to decide who takes on Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega who are still our AEW World Tag Team Champions at All Out happening September 5th. We first start off with the Young Bucks versus the Natural Nightmares. This was a very fast-paced match. The Young Bucks were looking for a quick victory. Nick and QT Marshall started off the match first and they were very smooth and elegant with just quick little pins here and there, quick little moves here and there to see who could one-up each other. They're very good in the ring. QT Marshall looked super solid. He looked like he'd been training for a good while for this particular match. He's always been a really good wrestler. He should never doubt himself. After that, Dustin Rhodes and Matt Jackson fought a little in the ring. Matt Jackson was wearing out Dustin Rhodes with those arm drags, the repeated arm drags that didn't stop, that there was no breath until Dustin decided to control the match, and that's what happened. Dustin finally was able to slow down the match. He hit a Canadian destroyer on Matt Jackson, and they continue to wrestle on throughout. We finally get to see a super kick party with the Young Bucks, and the Young Bucks do pick up the first victory in this tag team gauntlet match by doing the BTE trigger onto QT Marshall and pin him one, two, three. The Natural Nightmares will not be moving on in this tag team gauntlet match. The Young Bucks only get a couple minutes to recover until they are now facing best friends. Nick does a German suplex to Trent on the apron. The apron is the hardest part of the ring. I don't know why these guys love doing that. It's no longer a shocker. It's more of a, please don't do that. Don't hurt them. Matt Jackson busts out his Northern Lights suplex. 
at one point, Nick has this hot comeback that he's so good at, that he's so swift with, but Chuck Taylor just stops his momentum. Matt and Nick are having the upper hand against best friends where where Nick Jackson does a 450 to Trent. Matt goes for the cover on Trent, but then Trent kicks out at two. This is very important for best friends to pick up a victory and hopefully go on to all out to face the AEW champions. As the match continues, we have an unexpected turn of event. Ever since last year, 2019, when Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega became the AEW World Tag Team Champions, they have always been teasing at either a breakup between the team or some type of falling out that the whole entire elite family will have, and that includes Hangman Page. Matt Jackson prepares Trent for the Meltzer driver. Matt has Trent in the power drive uh, position. Nick is on the outside of the apron getting ready to springboard in. He is not able to springboard in because Hangman comes out of nowhere from the shadows to hold Nick Jackson's foot from delivering his springboard to do this move. It shocks everyone, including the commentating team. It shocked me. It shocked Twitter. It definitely shocked the wrestling community. Even though we knew eventually Hangman probably would have done something in this long-term storytelling to mess up something. We just didn't know it was going to be this. I didn't know it was going to be this, and I was never going to call it to be this. And body language is important in this whole storytelling element. While Hangman is holding Nick's ankle, he is looking down. He's not reacting to looking up at Nick or even saying anything. He knows that it's wrong, but he's doing it to save the fact that he does not want the Young Bucks to fight him and and Kenny at all out. The words that FTR had told Hangman last week on AEW Dynamite probably is still in the back of his mind and FTR isn't wrong. FTR is right in every sense of business because imagine if Hangman and Kenny dropped the belts to the Young Bucks. Hangman would be exactly where he was not that long ago. He'll still be in the shadows of the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks will continue to say that, Hangman, you're still part of the elite. You know, you're still our friend. We still care about you. But Hangman needs to be that breakout star and he needs to be away from the Young Bucks and their shadow. So why not really take the words of FTR to heart and actually understand the logic behind it and do something like this? So this distraction allows Trent to get the roll-up on Matt. One, two, three. Matt is angry as hell towards Hangman. And you can tell in Hangman's face that it looked like he had no choice to do it, but he did it anyway. And it may not sit right with the Young Bucks, and it may not sit right with him. We don't know how Kenny feels because Kenny was not here at all in this AEW Dynamite show, which is kind of weird and no one on twitter questioned it well i'm going to question it here on a podcast where was kenny omega during aew dynamite on 8 20 so hangman goes back to the locker room the young bucks are upset that they're not going to be moving on into the tag team gauntlet match and now best friends has advanced 
they are tired, they don't get that much rest time, and out comes FTR. FTR is the more fresh tag team to be in this match. Best friends have their work cut out for them. What I really enjoyed about the FTR match versus best friends is that Dax Hardwood of FTR was working on Chucky T's leg the whole entire time. He was breaking him down. Everything that he did was very meticulous offense and no move was wasted. And that got me invested to watch this match because Chuck Taylor's knee is killing him. And that's one tap away or one pin away from FTR getting the victory. So I'm invested in seeing how Chuck Taylor can get out of this so that he can tag in Trent so he could get some time on the outside to hopefully recover some feeling back into his knee and it won't be such a huge problem. FTR is so good at old school wrestling that they modernized it to make sure that no move goes wasted in any of their matches. They're like hunters where they focus on either a specific body part or they know how to separate the ring in half and they know how to break down their opponent to either pick up a victory or pick up a submission win. And I totally appreciate that from FTR. This is why in my last podcast episode called Dethroned Prince of Pro Wrestling, I gave FTR praise because their aesthetic of tag team wrestling elevates the AEW tag team division as a whole and not only them by themselves. They are great by themselves. They could tell a great story. They planted the seeds of doubt in Hangman Adam Page, even though you saw that FTR was telling the Young Bucks that wasn't them who told Hangman to do that. With FTR, it's all about business, and that's all it is is business. And they go into each and every single match business, and they come out as winners. So... Congratulations to FTR for winning. They now go on to All Out September 5th to face Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. After that, we get Lance Archer versus Sean Maluda. It is great to see Sean Maluda in a ring. Again, I have a picture with him at BWF, which is Bronx Wrestling Federation here in New York City. I will probably post that again one day on Twitter. So look out on my Twitter at Marie underscore shadows to for that picture. Sean did well, but Lance Archer overpowered him. After the match, Jake Roberts cuts a promo. He mentions that Lance Archer will be in the Casino Battle Royale, which is 21 men of the AEW roster fighting for a chance to win an opportunity to face whoever becomes the new AEW World Heavyweight Champion. Then Taz, along with Ricky Starks and Brian Cage, comes out. And I really thought all hell was going to break loose between Jake Roberts and Taz. These guys are so old school. And these guys are so venomous in their attacks, especially verbally. If you haven't been paying attention to AEW Dark, Taz has no chill. And we all know that Taz has no chill, and I appreciate that he doesn't have any chill. He's from New York, after all. You know, most people, including myself, sometimes don't have chill in what we say. But 
I just thought it was just going to be an all-out verbal war where one is going to top the other in who could have the best singer in their promo. But it turns out that Taz let us know that Ricky Starks and Brian Cage are going to be in the Casino Battle Royale match at All Out. My one question is, did the match of Darby versus Ricky Starks get scrapped from All Out? Darby and Ricky are building this amazing story that got me so invested that I want to see a one-on-one match between Ricky Starks and Darby Allen. Darby Allen is a self-made star. He did not need the helping of bigger companies. And the same thing with Ricky Starks. He's a self-made star. He did not need to help bigger companies at all. And AEW is showcasing the wonderful abilities these both men have, respectively. In their storytelling segments, they're doing such a great job to hype that match up that I was really looking forward to Darby versus Ricky at All Out. Now we get the Casino Battle Royale where both of them are going to be entered. And what I don't like is that I know that both of them are going to get eliminated. They are going to fight to the back and we'll have the one-on-one match, I guess, on the following Dynamite. Or it's going to build up to the next pay-per-view, which I would like. However, it's okay sometimes to start a series early on a major pay-per-view like All Out. I consider All In and All Out to be two major pay-per-views of AEW. Other than that, the theme song of Darby starts playing. Ricky Starks and Taz and Brian Cage are looking around frantically for Darby. Darby skates his way in, drop kicks Ricky Starks, and kicks him out of his shoes. After we get the MJF and Moxie contract signing, I'm so happy that no one got hurt in this contract signing, meaning that a table wasn't broken. It didn't end up in a fight. MJF talks too much, which I like sometimes short and concise stuff, but I get why he talks a lot. He likes to anger his opponents and get under their skin and be manipulative. And I totally get it. It works in his advantage, but he was talking way too much. So apparently there was a page 17 that the lawyer that MJF hired did not read. So Mox was extremely happy that next week on AW Dynamite, it's going to be Moxie versus the lawyer. And Moxie will be able to use the paradigm shift. And if the lawyer does not show up, MJF does not get his title shot at all out. So that's going to be super interesting for that. After the contract signing, we have a eight-man tag match. It is the team of Sonny Kiss and Joey Janela with Griff Garrison and Brian Pillman Jr. versus The Blade and The Butcher with Phoenix and Pentagon. And Eddie Kingston is at their side. This was a chaotic eight-man tag match. Everyone doing flips. Everyone doing spots. Sonny Kiss always looks like a million bucks in the ring. Whenever he's there whatever moves he does. And whenever Sonny throws his forearms and or punches, they look like a million bucks. They look like if you get hit with a Sonny Kiss forearm, you are knocked out. That's it. Point blank. And by the way, Sonny Kiss made the PWI list. So congratulations to Sonny Kiss on that. Joey Janela does a Death Valley Driver 
on the apron to Ray Phoenix. Then Pentagon Jr. comes in and does a package power driver to Joey Janela on the apron as well. Seriously, guys, protect yourselves. The winners of this match is the Blade, the Butcher, with Phoenix and Pentagon and Eddie Kingston at their side. It is also announced by Eddie Kingston that the five of them, including himself, will be in the Casino Battle Royale match at All Out. After that eight-man tag match, we sort of wind down and have the amazing Dark Order celebration. The Dark Order members come out and carry a coffin. I was way too late to make the meme of the coffin dance, but these guys are on their game. The Dark Order went from something creepy and I don't understand to I want to join the Dark Order as their scribe because I am a writer and I am writing my own murder mystery wrestling novel called Rookie. If you guys have not checked that out, make sure to go over to patreon.com forward slash rookie SCP to read the novel there. This is a celebration because Mr. Brody Lee took the TNT championship off of Cody, who proclaimed himself to be the prince of pro wrestling. This happened on last week's AEW Dynamite. And again, I have that podcast up on my Patreon. So make sure to go support that as well if you want to listen to the full entire podcast episode of my thoughts on Brody Lee becoming TNT champion. Brody Lee is in the ring and he gives praises to Anna Jay, calls her the Queen Slayer. She is the great one. She is number 99. And that is great. Some story is coming along as to why Anna Jay is in the Dark Order. You know, she's a great centerpiece and I love that she's there. Once again, Silver is being an idiot, but he is a lovable idiot. He will always be my lovable idiot and I would love to work with him on just and stupid things and just have fun. So he decides to mess up the little moment that Anna Jay has by saying something completely ridiculous. And as on cue, he gets death by Brody Lee. Love that guy. That guy has so much personality and so much talent in the ring. It's, it's amazing. But no celebration is complete without people messing it up. The Natural Nightmares come out and attack the Dark Order. This is retribution for Cody Rhodes being wherever he's at. However, the numbers game is too much for the Natural Nightmares to take on the Dark Order. So Scorpio Sky comes in, tries to help out. But then again, the numbers game is way too much, especially with Brody Lee giving Scorpio Sky a huge forearm to the back of the head. Also, Matt Cardona, a.k.a. Zack Ryder, comes out to clean house. And the Dark Order now retreats to the back. Next, we get a Young Bucks and Hangman Adam Page segment. Hangman was going to be interviewed about what he did to the Young Bucks. However, the Young Bucks come in and cut everything off. And the Young Bucks are furious with Hangman. They don't understand why he did it. They told him that all we wanted was a friend and that Nick had yes in the past called him a jobber and then apologized but then he was like you know what you really truly are a jobber hangman and they were really hurt that hangman would try to do something like this matt is so mad that he tells hangman that he is no longer elite 
and he's out of the elite. This is after Matt tells Hangman that he is a drunk and that was the truth that anybody should have told him and throws the drink in his face. They leave. Hangman then walks to the door that has a broken mirror and just looks in the mirror and it's very powerful symbolism. The elite family is broken at the moment. This is why I had originally asked the question of where is Kenny Omega? in this AEW Dynamite episode, because his reaction, I would have loved to see and what he would have done to repair it, because now there's a strain on the elite. Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega are the tag team champions. And because Matt made the rash decision of kicking Hangman out, because of what he did to cost the Young Bucks a chance to fight Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega at All Out. Now you kind of wonder if it's going to be true that Hangman and Kenny are going to drop the boats to FTR. Because it would be super weird that Kenny is still part of the elite with Nick and Matt. But now that Hangman is out, like, how is that going to help anything? Because they are your AEW Tag Team Champions. Like, It just makes me wonder and question, and I think before All Out, I should probably dive into this a little bit more and talk about it a little bit more freely. The story is phenomenal. All the little bits and pieces and everything like that, it makes a lot of sense that they're finally going to let Hangman be the breakout star that he's always meant to be. Doing it this way was sort of like kicking the bird out of the nest. However, you do have to feel for Hangman Page for the actions that he did because it makes sense. Like if I was put in his shoes and I was tag team partners with Kenny Omega and we had the tag team boats, I personally would not want to face the Young Bucks again. That was a chapter that was closed the previous year one of the best matches that was on that card and on that year. I don't want to face them again. I already know how the Young Bucks work. It wouldn't be fun. It would just be like the same thing going around and around. There wouldn't be anything new. There wouldn't be any new surprises. There wouldn't be any new risk taken in a rematch, so to speak. So I would have probably done the same thing if FTR got into my ear. You can't blame hangman adam page for it and you can't blame kenny either kenny's been trying to keep the team together he's been trying to keep the family together but he sees through the cracks and he's not stupid to what's happening it's just a matter of we're champions we need to carry the division we need to do everything in our power to still remain focused so that we don't lose the championships all while carrying all this burden on him just to keep everything in line, you know? But I enjoyed that segment. After that segment, we have Big Swole versus Rebel versus Penelope Ford versus Britt Baker, even though Britt is still in her wheelchair. This match 
wasn't that long. It was super fast. It was goofy. It was okay for what it was worth to tell this story, especially that our winner is Big Swole. She managed to defeat Rebel and Penelope Ford and also take abuse from Britt Baker and and Kip. So Big Swole wins this match and she can definitely challenge Britt Baker at All Out if she wanted to and with whatever condition of the match that she wants. I know that there's been a lot of talk about how to improve the AEW women's division. And I love to still be a part of that conversation in the wrestling community. And I am still working on a way to give a solution to how it could work for AEW and their time constraints and all the popular stories that are more than the women. Because let's face it, we talk more about. The elite hangman FTR storyline than anything else on AEW. We may mention people like Ricky Starks. We may mention the TNT Championship because that took center stage, but we haven't been talking about the women enough because what stories do the women have? What stories can the women tell? And that's what I want to dive into when I present you guys the podcast that talks all about the AEW Women's Division, including the recent Women's Tag Team Cup Tournament and my thoughts about it. So again, if you want to support me as a content creator and want to listen to my thoughts about AEW Women's Wrestling and Women's Wrestling in general, please support the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash rookie SCP. Not only are you supporting the podcast is, but you're also supporting my writing and just wrestling content in general. Now we get to the main event of AEW Dynamite. It is Sammy Guevara versus Matt Hardy. This really felt like a grudge match. It's a tables match, which I had gotten a little confused on how it actually works because Sammy went through the first table on the outside. Usually that should just be called for the ring bell, but that wasn't it. Then Sammy tries again to get Matt through a table, but he just slides off the table, and I thought that was pretty funny. And by the way, I should mention that when Sammy went through the first table, he got busted open similar to how he had busted open Matt Hardy with the chair. After that, there was another table that was set up. Matt Hardy had put Sammy on that table. Matt Hardy jumps off the apron, but Sammy moves and... Matt Hardy hurts his elbow. They fight for a little bit longer. Sammy gets a chair. Matt takes it and Matt opens it and puts Sammy's head in that chair to do a twist of fate on the chair. As much as that looked amazing and awesome and I hope that it was safe, that was innovative and all props to Sammy Guevara that puts his body through all these bumps that I just wish that sometimes he'll just rethink. Aside from the twist of fate on that chair, Matt Hardy goes out to get a special table that has the word deleted on it. He puts it into the ring. It's underneath the chair that he used for the twist of fate. And Matt Hardy proceeds to climb to the top of the rope, but he can't do it because he is still dazed. Sammy gets off the chair. Sammy goes and does a suplex. It should have been a suplex onto the uh, table with the chair under it. And then that is how 
Sammy Guevara picks up the victory against Matt Hardy. The main event felt like it was cut a lot in time. And it was short. It was rushed. I wanted to see more from these two, but it did feel like a grudge match. It did feel like Matt Hardy really wanted to delete him. Um, as far as who would I would have picked to win, I thought that it would have been right if Matt Hardy won just for retribution's sake and they could still keep going and maybe at all out it could have been something or maybe the next dynamite after all out so that way these two guys can rest could have been like their final match where like Sammy picks up the victory and gets put over and stuff like that. But um while Sammy Guevara is celebrating his victory in this match. Orange Cassidy becomes the Flash. He is a blur. He sprints straight to Jericho, who's on commentary, beats him up, and Sammy comes to take off Orange Cassidy, and in comes the referees that try to break up this brawl, and that is how they end AEW Dynamite. Before I end this podcast, Hey, listen! I want to thank every single listener that ever visits the patreon i want to thank every single person that ever listens to the uploaded version on anchor.fm forward slash square circle podcast and i will soon try to be putting all this up on youtube but i really want to shout out my patreon supporters mags from the wrestling community He is amazing. He is always supporting me in whatever I do. And he basically shares my content. He talks to me. I talk with him. I tell him how good his cooking is. He tells me how good my cooking is as well. But his support is everything to me. And I never thought that I would get so much support because I decided to get a Patreon for all of my wrestling content. And you guys out there help me make better content every single time. And I'm always trying to think of ways to get you the enjoyment that you seek in these dark times. Everyone has a financial problem. I do too. But if I can make your day a little bit brighter, a little bit better, that's all I really care about. I want to thank you guys for all the retweets, all the love, all the financial support via the Patreon. Again, if you want to hear, Every single unlocked item, all you have to do is just sign up to the Patreon and pledge to a tier, and I will give you a shout-out like I gave Mags a shout-out. And we could do this as one big happy family. These are my passion projects, which is talking about professional wrestling, going to professional wrestling events, writing a wrestling novel, and cooking. I have some fun stuff dropping the rest of the week, but... Yes, thank you. Now, let me just quickly go over the matches for All Out that happens on September 5th. We are going to have Moxie versus MJF for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. We're going to have Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega versus FTR for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. We have an eight-man tag match, which is the Dark Order versus the Natural Nightmares, teaming up with Matt Cardona and Scorpio Sky. We also have Sheeta versus Thunder Rosa. That's going to be amazing. That better be 20 fucking minutes of pure wrestling between two women. If you give me 10, 
I'll be fine. But if you go the whole 20, I'll be ecstatic. We also have the Casino Battle Royale match that will feature 21 of the AEW men's roster. That allows one person to get a future AEW World Heavyweight Championship match. And, of course, we have Jericho versus Orange Cassidy in a Mimosa Mayhem match that I'm really not looking forward to. Jericho, you are the GOAT. Orange Cassidy, I understand what your character is. I understand what you're doing. I understand this whole entire story, but I am just not that interested. So far, this is the card for All Out. And so far, you guys have been amazing for sticking around with me to listen to my whole entire podcast review of AEW Dynamite that debuted on 8-27-2020. Again, I am Marie Shadows. I am your host, and I will see you guys on the next podcast episode.